podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Hey, Dolphins, this is Michael Fink with the uh, FinFans Podcast. Each week we come to you and bring you our opinions on what's going on within the Dolphins organization. During the season, you'll hear two shows each week where we review and preview each game. We shoot straight from the hip and have fun in doing so. We'd like to thank both the Dolphins Talk Network and the Pigskin Podcast Network for their support. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Please leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to follow the show. That way you'll know when a new one comes out. It's truly appreciated. All right, let's uh, kick off today's show. And we're here for another podcast. How are you, Daniel? I'm doing well. Fins up. Fins up. How we doing, Fin fans? I'm doing good. I'm sure they are too. Um, Lewis supposed to be here. He's running late, so I don't know if we'll see him tonight or not. But uh, we got things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pull up my word pad here so I have everything in front of me. All right. Uh, two players weren't pra- practicing today uh, or seen at practice, and that was uh, Taron Armstead and uh, Jerome Baker. Hunter Long was in a non-contact uh, jersey because of the concussion deal. Uh, Xavier Howard worked off to the side. Keon Crossan is day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Uh, Byron Jones isn't yet ready to practice. Uh, coach thinks he'll play this year. We'll see about all that. Brendan Scarlett or Cameron Good are likely to be possible elevations with uh, Agba out. The roster currently sits at 52, so they have a spot to pull somebody up. And there was another report that's saying both uh, Daryl Bevel and uh, Frank Smith are going to be possible head coaching candidates next year. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll start plucking away our staff. Let's let's <laughs> hope that things don't necessarily change. No, No offense to those guys. But uh, I think we like him. Yeah, definitely. I seen the one about Frank Smith. Uh, I definitely think that is something that people will be looking at seriously. I didn't. I didn't hear about Daryl Bevel, Bevel, but it doesn't surprise me, right? Yeah, yeah well, it came uh, it a couple hours me. later. Yeah. So we'll see. As far as far as uh, non-practicing, Teron Armstead. As far as I'm considered, uh, let him sit practices. We don't need him out there hurting yeah. himself again. And kind of same thing with X. While he hasn't performed exactly to the level we we think that he normally does, uh, he doesn't need to be out there practicing. He he knows what he's doing. You don't know what condition his legs are in, you know. Right. And that's right. the thing with Xavier. You know, he kind of got hurt early, and he's nursing it, you know, throughout the season. Now, who knows how healthy he really is? I I can't say. And obviously, the coach isn't going to tell us. No, and you would think that from what we've seen from his level of production, right? So uh, he's still playing really good football. He's not giving up. Uh, like, I mean, you he, you watched him stop Amari Cooper in the Browns game, and then Cooper went off this week against the Bills. So you see he's still performing at a high level, but he's not doing what he normally does. It would be It would make sense to think that he is dealing with something still. Right. Right, exactly. I'll adjust my chair here. We've got uh, Steve Medema in the uh, chat. Hello, Steve. All right. Hey, Steve. Like we've got some some people joining the chat. It's nice to have you along with us. Thanks for the questions. Love it. 
interesting to see the uh, the Jets Patriots game this week, right? The the Jets have already beat us. Those those uh, those guys aren't performing very well on the offensive side of the ball. It was uh, it was a good game for us watching yeah. those teams play each other and not do anything and not move the ball. You watched New York only have two yards of total offense in the second half of that game. I think that bodes well for when we play them both again later this season still. I'm not sure. So there's a question in the chat or a comment saying Zach Wilson is going to get benched for Flacco. I'm not sure that they can actually do that. They have a lot invested in that number two overall pick. They've got to continue to let him take the reins. What what I would think that needs to happen, though, is he needs to take more accountability because you definitely see not only him not playing at a, at a really high level, but him not taking any accountability. The post-game press conference when he was talking about he not let he did not let the defense down, that didn't go over well with the team, and it right. hasn't gone over well in the media either. So he's definitely got to step up his play, but he's also got to step up his leadership. Joe Flacco is what he is. You know he can play the game, but I don't see them giving up on Zach Wilson, at least for the remainder of this year. It would be a surprise to me if so. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what you just said. I, I don't see a problem there. Yeah, I think Salah's kind of stuck, right? Because Wilson is a Joe Douglas guy. He's the guy that they drafted to be the future of the franchise. Do they move on after this year? It's possible. We watched the same thing happen with Rosen. We know how that story ended. But as far as this year, the way the team is playing on the defensive side of the ball, Zach's just got to improve a little bit to really make them uh, have a chance in every game. So I think that they're going to try to continue to let him grow, even if he has growing pains, because not everybody evolves at the same rate. And we kind of know that, too. Yeah, I mean, that should be the standard course of action, shouldn't it? You would think so. Uh, But it's an what have you done for me lately league. Yeah, and but I, I think you have to give a quarterback three years. I really do. And and by the end of three years, then you really evaluate them and uh, figure out what you think their ceiling might be, you know. But by the third year, they should be performing at a higher level. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, is you should see levels. Uh, you should see yeah. progress and, and you should see him take steps to get better. Uh for whatever it's worth, you've seen flashes of some good play from Tua last year. You just hadn't seen him put it together. So you're not really seeing those flashes from Zach Wilson right now. You're seeing uh, a big arm, and that's really about it. Yeah, we'll see how it goes, you know? Yeah. What do you think of their receivers? I mean, I like the core they have. Zach, uh, Zach has Garrett Wilson to throw to, and he has Elijah Moore. I don't think they're using Elijah the way that they should. They, they And they can't keep Corey Davis on the field. So I like Corey Davis, the talent, but he can't stay on the field. I think that they will have to bring somebody else in. But they're also not using a guy like Denzel Mims, which kind of shocks me. Uh, that's one of those guys who's a second-round pick. You should, yeah, be, they you should have him on the field. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm just kind of wondering what they're doing there with not using some of the guys that have levels of talent, at least, that that justify them being on the field, there's stuff behind the scenes we just don't know about. Well, anytime a player is not getting playing time, you got to figure it's due to his performance in practice. Yeah. So. Yeah, and somebody in the chat said, it seems like the patience is the way to go. Just look at Hurts and Tua this year. 
that's absolutely true. But as I was just saying, you see flashes or you see levels and progress. Right. Uh, you've seen it with Hertz. You've seen it in in glimpses with Tua, but you never seen uh, that consistent level change or the attempted progress. Like you haven't seen that with Zach. I don't know. I think Tua between this year and last year is night and day. Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't see much I liked last year, you know, personally. Um, but well, this year, I feel like McDaniel has has opened his game up. I've seen a few things. I mean, I've seen I seen some really good accuracy. I've seen a quick release. I've seen some anticipation things with him last year that I really loved. Uh, he struggled, I think, mildly because of the offensive line. He had no confidence. Uh, so he made really poor decisions. The, the decision making and the footwork are the things that really stand out to me. That has helped Tua make make a, a big leap. I'd agree with that. That and confidence in himself. Yeah, because <laughs> I yeah. think he and might, the he might, have, he, might have, he might have lost his confidence for a little while. Yeah. Well, when you you're getting benched, uh, you don't have a confidence in the coaching staff. You have all that constant change there too. Uh, that's to be understood. Yeah, the offensive line, obviously, as you said, is is a, is a big <laughs> reason, you know. Taron Armstead, you know, what a year he's been having, even playing hurt. And uh, kind of Williams at center is, has uh, shored up that position. And then we've been waiting a while for a center uh, that yeah. can actually play, and this guy can play. So, you know, that the line is looking up. You know, it's a couple of, couple of sore spots they got to figure out yet, but by and large, that offensive line is a hundred times better than it was last year, in my opinion. Yeah, the last guy we had at the center position that was any good was Pouncey, and yep. uh, there for a while towards the end, he couldn't stay healthy. It's been a blessing to see what they were able to do with that guard to center transition, because as many of you know, I wasn't on board. I thought they should have kept him at guard, and uh, I was wrong, as I admitted in the last it show. Happens. I believe. <laughs> Yeah, and he's played really, really well. Hey, shout out to Glenn Poole, who uh, joined the chat a little bit ago. Yeah, we also have Facebook user. Yep. Uh, we have a few of those. <laughs> yep, we can't tell who you are if you're, if you're coming in off of Facebook and not allowing StreamYard to use your name. So yeah. there's a link for that in our group if you want to do that, and then we'll know who you are. And uh, a couple of shout outs on the, on the, uh, in the comments for the room. Uh, thank you. I, I p take a lot of pride in the man cave in the office here. Uh, as you can see, I got probably 25 hats on the wall. Um, about twice that many that I couldn't get on the wall. <laughs> yeah. I like the Warfield jersey personally. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a Warfield. I have a Stevenson and I have a little. Um, I have shadow boxes for them, but I don't have them actually mounted yet. And uh, I definitely have to take down all the hats to, to make room, but it's coming. Cool stuff. Hello, Jeff. No, Jeff, welcome to the show. All right. So have we, has anybody asked any questions that we've not answered? Yeah, there's a, there's a question. Is Crossan supposed to suit up? Um, well, he's slightly injured. He's, he's got injuries. So it's going to depend on the progress of that injury. Yeah. And right now he's day to day. Uh, I would say that if it was his his uh, choice, he'd probably suit up. What we don't want is that injury getting worse. Obviously, we all know that we don't want to lose another guy for the season. But we got Houston coming up. If there's a game that uh, that somebody can miss, you know, you don't want to miss any games. You don't want any of your guys missing any games, and you definitely don't want to lose to a Houston. But if there's one game, this is it. <laughs> The coach did say that uh, Crossan's a fast healer, so we've got that working for us, and we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, and otherwise, it seems like we're getting kind of healthy. We have uh, a couple of guys. I mean, you know, Teron, Teron Armstead has taken his veterans rest and with his toe, and and X is doing the same sort of thing. But we're we seem hey, to be at a spot right now where we haven't been most of the season. Hi, Kim. Thanks for joining us, guys. And Kirk Marks has showed up. Hey, Kirk, yeah. nice to see you. So, <laughs> do you think we can go two and one in the next three, Mike? Can we? Sure. I don't see any reason why we can't. Riveting. Uh, I think we can. I think we do. Yeah, I think we do. So we got what? Houston, San Francisco, LAC. And the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think we can go two and one. I mean, we watched LAC play last night, right? Uh, They have talent, but they just can't seem to put it together. And they find ways to lose in the fourth quarter. This is going to be a really big game because you have the Tua versus Herbert comparison. And I think Tua comes on to- comes out on top. Steve, we we beat uh, the Texans pretty good over the last couple of times we played them. He's right, though. The Texans have struck fear in us for a while. Uh-huh. For, yeah, for oh, not, yeah. They, they were like eight and one against us, or something like that. Not because they were a Super Bowl contender, just because they always had our number. Similar with with Baltimore, you know, and and we've won the last couple against Baltimore as well. Well, Baltimore beat us with physicality when they were beating us, and they're not the same physical team that they were on defense. You know, you had Ray Lewis, you had Ed Reed. You know, those guys were serious football players. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, we we never really matched up real good against their defense. But, you know, yeah, historically speaking. Kirk says we should beat the Texans just like the Browns game. Well, we, we, we should, but that doesn't mean we will, right? No guarantees. Yeah. I definitely think we should. Uh, I don't see us – I mean, we have to win that game by at least 10 points. Do we? Yeah. Why? I mean, I mean, I think we have to. I'm okay um, if we win by one. I'm okay if we do too, but narrative <laughs> and, you know, there's always the narrative. And yeah, right. Us as Dolphins fans hate the narrative that we can't win. Uh, we have to beat Houston. We have to beat the teams that we're supposed to beat. This is a game that we should not uh, struggle. We should not struggle on the offensive side. We should not struggle on the defensive side. Yeah, they've been they're a pretty poor football team. So we'll see what happens. They got to come out ready to play. You know. Yeah. Davis Mills is not anything to worry about. Well, he he makes some questionable <laughs> decisions too. So just got, just got home. Start over. <laughs> He's uh he's not got a lot of offensive talent on that side of the ball. I think if there's one thing we've seen from our defense is it's good at stopping the run, but I th- I think that their best offensive weapon right now is their rookie running back. All right, so don't, spo- don't spoil our Wednesday show. <laughs> you got it, Steve. You got it. That's the answer to that one. So we we thought we'd go through um our midseason awards. Hmm. And I think this will be fun, probably relatively quick, but let's do it. Yeah. Who's your breakout player? And you guys in the chat can type yours as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, this one was actually kind of difficult for me because I think that there are a few players that you could put on this list. And I I did my list this way, and not everybody does, but I tried to put a, a player on the list only once. So that being said, the end of the list, I, I tried did not the same have- thing and failed. Yeah, I did not have number one on uh, as the breakout, although you could easily say he is. Uh, my breakout player is Robert Hunt. 
Robert Hunt is uh, being, he's been a beast on the interior of the offensive line. We have talked about it for years. And if you listen to the podcast, we talk about it all off season. We talk about how important the offensive line is going to be for our success. And part of our offensive line has been Robert Hunt in that interior on the right hand side, just mauling people. So my breakout player of the year is Robert Hunt. Well, I chose Kahoo. Yeah. Yeah. Because he really, you know, he really did break out. Nobody expected him to have the kind of season he's having. Most underrated player. I chose Zach Sealer. Who did you choose? So I've also got Sealer here, and I kind of knew I knew that you was going to do that, and I wanted to go with somebody else, but we love Sealer at the Finns Fans Podcast, and he has been a pivotal part of our defense, no doubt about it. Okay, got, uh, let's see. Kirk, was that uh, Cater Kahoo as your uh, breakout player? So you definitely, he definitely agreed with you, Mike. Um, let's see. Most impactful rookie. I chose Kahoo again. Yeah, so this is where I've got Kahoo uh, undrafted. Nobody expected, maybe not even to make the team. And he has played some of the most valuable minutes for us on the defensive side, and he has not been a liability. Not only has he not been a liability, but he has stood out above the rest. Uh, right now, um, I would venture to say he's playing the better than X. And uh, yeah, no, that's, no doubt about it. That's crazy to think. He's ranked in the 20s as far as uh, PFF is concerned. Yeah. Well, through the first five games, he was like the top-rated cornerback yep. in the league, first four games yep. or something, which is crazy. Um, super impressed with what we've seen from him. Uh, most pivotal wild card player. Do you have one for this? I actually have two. I, I have, have most one. pivotal yep. and most wild card. So I went <laughs> – <laughs> the more players, kind of, the merrier, right? That's kind of yeah. cheating, but I chose Taron Armstead. Yeah, so I, I wanted to get Armstead on the list, but I, I actually didn't put him here. For my most pivotal player, I've got X. And and it's not because he's been the most pivotal as far as success on the field. It's because of what he does for our defense. Because he has played well, just not the stats. And if we lost him, we would have to pivot to something that we would not want to see. So uh, my wild card player, I've got Mike Kosicki because we have seen him make some of the biggest catches of the year. He has made some huge plays. And if we start to get him involved, we could really take that next that next step as an offense. He's a wild card for me because we never know what we're going to get from him. Offensive player of the year, I have Tyree Kill. Yeah, no-brainer. Yep, Cheetah. So Kirk Marks is talking in the in the chat. He says Trent Sherfield, and this is the most pivotal wild card. I think is probably what you're talking about. Kirk, I almost went yeah, with Sherfield. Yep, I, I would have thought I, you would have. I swear I had him written down and I crossed him out uh, because I figured it was going to be very obvious that I would go with him. Uh, I did not. Len Poole is yelling Tua. Well, Tua, get his props. Just give me a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Defensive player of the year. I have Christian Wilkins, and I could have picked five guys. So I also have Christian Wilkins here and also could have picked five guys, but they're all right so close to each other. Like it's hard to pick one because we have so many guys that are just doing their job right, right? So I really wanted to put Melvin Ingram here um, because he's brought us some real some pressures. I wanted to put Javon Holland here because actually he's probably the most 
Uh, he has produced the most stats, uh, a couple of interceptions, fumble force, fumble recovery, that sort of thing. But I also went with Wilkins just because of the impact that he has on our defense. Somebody in the chat who is known as Facebook user says uh, Phillips is coming on strong. And I really was torn on that because I almost did pick Phillips. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I just had to go with Wilkins. But Phillips was really somebody I strongly considered for that particular uh, achievement. Uh, team MVP. Well, you got to go with Tua, right? Don't yeah. you? And I don't. I don't think the only other choice would be Hill, Tyreek. Right? Yep. Yeah, the only other choice would be Tyreek. But you've seen the impact that Tua had on this team when he wasn't out there. Yep. You know, we lost three games in a row when he was not behind center. Uh, there is no question that that his abilities are what is feeding this team right now. Um, well, more than the defense, which we thought had a chance to carry us and has it necessarily. Way more than the other quarterbacks when they were throwing to Tyreek. So, uh, yeah, it's too, uh, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it has to be a player, Steve. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple here, too. Uh, Facebook wild card would be Chubb. I agree with that. Uh, we have yet to really see what he's too got soon. to offer. Yeah, too soon. Um, I would also add uh, right along that line is Jeff Wilson Jr. Because both of those guys were in my thoughts for this as far as wild card, but they, they are so new to the team. Yeah, it's too um, soon. At yeah. the end of the year, they may have it, but we got a ways to go. Yeah. Glenn Poole said Jerome Baker has been so underrated this season. He I has been that. great I in coverage and has stepped up big the past few games. Yeah, he's been flying all over. Yeah, like uh, I told also, you, there were five guys I could have picked. He was one of yeah. them. Yeah. He uh, he hasn't got the stats that he, that he has in the past either. He hasn't been making the big uh, flashy sack numbers, but uh, he is playing big. Do you all agree with Tua being the team MVP? Let me know in the comments. We'd like to throw a shout out to DraftKings for sponsoring our show. And uh, here's a little message and we'll be right back. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. I trust them. You get your money when you're supposed to. Everything is above board. Now, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Now, check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost. The bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. All right, so what do you want to see happen uh, in Miami when Houston comes to town? I mean, obviously we want Miami to win, but what do you think needs to maybe uh, change or be adjusted over our previous games? I'm not sure that there's a bunch of adjustments that need to be made. The one thing more than anything else that I'm going to be looking at and I'm going to continue to look at not just this week but moving forward is the play in the trenches. Uh, somebody just said because of Chubb, we can start getting home by rushing four. Uh, and he's right. That is so. a big yes. deal. Uh, I'll be watching for that. 
the continued improvement of Jalen on the other side of him and what the Ogba impact is going to have on that defensive front. Uh, and then the continued improvement of the offensive line. I think I seen a stat the other day that over the past four or five weeks, we're like the 10th rated offensive line in the league. And that's a big deal for us because we don't get to see that stuff. Um, so I'm going to be watching both sides of the ball up front. I want to see continued improvement in those areas. Kirk Mark says better defensive play and uh, more turnovers. Um, yes, absolutely. More turnovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have a comment from Steve saying, anyone curious about why Channing Tindall doesn't get to play more? I read about that uh, today. I, I haven't seen that article. I don't really have uh, the best answer for you, except for Duke Riley is is taking that playing time most likely, and he's just uh, he's a do-your-job type of guy. So similar to what we see out of Trent Sherfield, you don't get him too far out of position, and he makes the play when he's supposed to. The entire defense needs to tackle better, so I'm not letting Duke off the off the hook there. But uh, I think that if there's one reason, it's similar to that. We just he uh, needs to stay in better position and and do exactly what's required of him. Yeah, what the uh, coaches had said was in in their in their defense that particular position and the strong safety are both very very relevant to adjusting the team. Mm-hmm. And they feel like he's got the physical part down, but they're not ready yet to put him in charge of the defense. Right. And that's that's why he hasn't played a lot. I'll be interested to see if Cameron Good is the guy that they bring up over Brennan Scarlett. Uh, because as you had talked about in the open, because Brennan Scarlett already kind of knows what's going on here in Miami. He played with the defense last year, so he has an idea of what Boyer expects. But Cameron Good is the guy that you know we did a scouting report on before the season and can get after the quarterback. Yep. I think Cameron Good offers something in that area off the edge that that uh, that Brennan Scarlett does not. So it'll be really interesting to see if he's a guy who plays a role moving forward. Gotcha. Let's see. Chubbs, Phillips, Wilkins, Ingram is such a sick third and long D-line. We'll see. Um, yeah. Riley's playing his butt off. Well, Landon Roberts is such a liability. Well, against the pass, he's a liability. And uh, against the run, every once in a while, he hits his target. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, there's no two ways around it. He's part of the reason why we are so good against the run. Yeah. And don't get it twisted, Finn fans. Even though Justin Fields got out of the pocket and made some off-schedule runs against us and you know had an NFL record on the ground, we are very good against the run. We've seen it against Cleveland. We had seen it several weeks in a row against running backs, and, and he's a big part of that. He's, he's a big thumper. part of the reason why. He's your thumper, and you got to have a thumper, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it'd be nice if he was a little more uh, agile and could cover a little better, but that's not the case. We'll have to, you know, look in the draft and find somebody more suitable to that position. But uh, he does bring something. I wouldn't call him a major liability. Yeah, I think the coaches know he's there and can help him if he needs it. 
Here's another uh, another thing that I'm going to be looking for moving forward this season is is going to be how they use Moster and Wilson because if we can continue to run the ball and I'd said this previously if we can continue to run the ball nearly as effectively as we did against Cleveland not you know as effectively but even nearly that effective right. we're going to be we're going to be able to travel this offense into the cold weather so I'm going to be looking to see if we can keep it up against Houston and then if we can keep it up against San Francisco and LAC, that's when it's going to start translating to the last three games of the year because the last three yep. games of the year are not going to be what we want them to be as far as we're at New England, we're at Buffalo, and uh, going into those cold-weather games. Raquan Davis has disappointed me this year. Yeah, the reason he brings that up is because uh, Steve commented what he contributes is so underrated because everyone else makes the plays. Raekwon is a big body guy who definitely takes up double teams. Uh, he hasn't had the stats, and uh, I don't know what his PFF grade is exactly, but he is he is stout in the middle of he's that a line. Big man. He's a big man, yes. It's tough to run around him. It's tough to run around him. I saw Byron Jones on a cart in the middle. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't skim milk. Uh, yeah. It was that whole milk. He needs to drink that whole milk. It'd be look. I know. I know a lot of people are really down on Byron Jones. They think that you know maybe he should have got the surgery sooner. Uh, we don't know the backstory right. there. You're not in his shoes. And, you don't know. And and I'll tell you this: he wants to be out there on the field. No professional athlete whose team is making strides the way ours is, and who is in the midst of the. I mean, look, we're in the we're in the chase for the number one overall seed right now in the AFC. If you think Byron Jones doesn't want to be out there, I th you're you're fooling yourself. I think he uh, said. He I think he said is he won't feel better until he makes more than Howard. So one dollar, <laughs> one dollar more. I don't know what sources you've got. No, I'm just teasing. But you know, I, <laughs> the bottom line is nobody knows why he's out. You know, only he knows, and his doctor knows, and, that, and the coach knows, and that's it. So, yeah, and somebody said uh, the Bills are going through the exact same thing with Tre'Davious White. Yeah, and and that's exactly right. And if you think Tre'Davious White doesn't want to be on the field, you're fooling yourself too. So we know what Byron Jones brings this defense when he's out there. Uh, he's just as pivotal as pivotal as X. We've got lucky with guys like Crossan and Kahu playing really well. Uh, but if just imagine if he was out there and and once he's healthy, I can't wait to see him out on the field. Bill's defense is really stacked. They have a solid, solid defense. Uh, I wouldn't say our defense is stacked. We've got some nice players, but there are some weaknesses out there too. Well, we don't have a Matt Milano. Right. And and we don't have a pair of safeties like Poyer and uh, the other guy, Micah Hyde. Yeah. But Hyde's out for the season. Tredavious White hasn't been on the field yet. Poyer's been banged up uh, and their defensive line is, is stellar. So I'm not sure that we can go talent for talent with them on the defensive line. But overall, I think we're we're pretty damn comparable. And you've seen that over the last several weeks. I'll their defense has not played very well. I like their linebackers better. And you mentioned the safeties, and that's true. Uh, if you had to choose a pair, you'd probably choose their pair. We might have had an edge at cornerback if we were healthy, but uh, their guy's pretty good too. So I think it's a pretty, pretty comparable defense, but I do think that they have a better one.
Well, they haven't been playing that well as of No, late. they haven't. Uh, and they're not necessarily playing great on offense either. They're not. And both things makes them beatable. Uh, you know, if you were watching that game that they were playing last weekend, you thought for a second that the Browns had a chance to win that game. Yeah, for a minute. That first half. Yeah, in that first half, you definitely thought the Browns could, could have pulled that out. Uh, sadly, they did not. However, the Bills look beatable. They do not look like the all-world club right now that six out of six analysts predicted to win the Super Bowl. Glenn Poole Jr. says, I think our line is as good as theirs with the addition of Chubb. I disagree with you, Daniel Reinhardt. Well, they've got guys that they can just – they've got four or five guys on that at the defensive end position that they can just rotate in and keep yeah. fresh. Yeah. And that's the problem as far as ours is concerned because we have, what, three? Maybe yeah. three. Uh, you've got – obviously, you've got Chubb and you've got Jalen Phillips and Never. you've got a guy like Van Ginkle who plays outside linebacker. But really, who's the third and fourth guy that you're going to bring in at that defensive end? And, and they've got at least four. That defensive end. So uh, that's where I think it's different for us. I, I, or for them over us, I do like the interior defensive line that we have, but as far as bodies on the outside of that defensive line, I think they've got us hands down. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, Steve Medema says difference between our line and theirs is they consistently get home with four and we don't. And I agree. Um, they have, at least they had right, been. Not right. Uh, you see the the injuries in the defensive backfield piling up for them and that not necessarily happening as much as it was early in the season, uh, specifically against us, right? And and the steps that our offensive line has taken, I mean, Von Miller didn't hit, didn't sack Tua, you know, and right. you've seen the same thing last week against Cleveland where Bradley or uh, uh, Miles Garrett didn't get home. So, while I do like their defensive line, those ends, they are beat up on the back, back end, and that yep. really does affect what can happen for a rush in just four. Yep. We saw it with our own team. You know, it changes the way you can play defense. Yeah. Yeah, and Steve says Gregory Rousseau is a beast, and, and he has played really well, and he has yep. definitely got home. He's so long and athletic. But you can't overlook a guy like Boogie Basham either because Boogie Basham is a really good – uh, defensive end who can get home, who's not getting the playing time. Some of these other guys, because you got another guy like AJ Epinesa out right. of my my right. my hometown uh, university where I went to school, the University of Iowa. So AJ Epinesa is another guy who can get home, who is really long and athletic. So uh, they're dangerous. If we let them get after us, they could definitely be dangerous. I hear you. All right, Ed Oliver. Yep. Yeah, Ed Oliver on the interior of that line, uh, he's taken a step forward this year. Uh, he had been kind of a disappointment. I think injuries had something to do with that. I think he was the 11th overall pick out of Houston that year, uh, a guy that I had my eyes on as well. Uh, he kind of disappointed the first couple of years, uh, wasn't getting the statistics that you would think a guy like that would get, but he's been playing well for them too. When you got a guy that throws like Allen throws when he's on, you're going to tend to overuse him. And, and we live that with Marino. Uh, yeah. Same thing, you know. I mean, he was throwing 30, 40, 50 times a game. So, you know, you, you tend to ride the guys that have the most talent, and, and maybe it's to your detriment. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got to have balance, I think. I think you really do have to have balance, but we'll see. Yeah, and I think that you're referring to Steve's comment about uh, 
the Bills' biggest liability being Josh Allen and their biggest asset being Josh Allen. Uh, he's He is trying to do too much right now. But you can see, I mean, they don't run the ball super effectively. No, and, they don't. And so that's one of the reasons why I think it's even more important for us to really put an emphasis on the run game over these next three weeks so that once we do go into those cold weather games that we've got both, yeah. that we don't have to say Tua, go win this game for you us. You want to possess even, the football. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to keep it away from Josh Allen, yeah, right? Exactly. Specifically once we hit the playoffs. You have to keep it out of Allen's hands. You got to keep it out of Lamar's hands. You got to keep it out of Patrick Mahomes' hand because you see what a guy like Patrick Mahomes does. Don't give him the ball in two minutes because you're going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Simple as that. You know, and, and again, you know, we, we had that guy here. Maybe, maybe Tua falls into those shoes. You know, maybe he becomes the guy that, that's totally clutch and, and other teams get worried when he has the ball last. That's what you want. So, well, I, I, I can't wait to see if, we can make that happen, right? So as of right now, not only is Tua like number one in, in all these right. QBR statistics, he's also number one in the fourth quarter. Yep. And and we have seen him come in clutch from third and two to third and 18 all season long. He's number one ranked on third downs. He, uh, so I can, in my mind, the way I work, I extrapolate those things out to say, if we're in a shootout with one of these guys, we stand a chance. For the first time in, in me ever, me being able to remember as an adult male, we stand a chance in those games, and it's super exciting. Let's see. How about some props for Brandon Shell? When was the last time we had a right tackle we weren't crying about every week? Man, it's been a while, Matt. Yeah, Brandon Shell has been playing really well. I mean, he's one of those guys we talked about on last show, right, Mike, where uh, he was a midseason pickup, Chris Greer, and, and Mike McDaniel found this guy somehow, shape, or form and brought him in, and uh, he's played really well for us. He's part of the reason why this offensive line is gelling together. So uh, super excited to have him. I mean, he's not the long-term answer, I don't think. You know, uh, obviously more will be revealed as far as that's concerned, but uh, excited to see him playing well. Yep. Salty Tua, huh? You like Salty Tua, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, Rich Eisen does. What's that dance he does? I can't remember what they called it, but uh, yeah, and and you see confident Tua as well. And I'm sure all of you have watched the mic'd up by now with Tua. If you haven't, go check it out because you hear a confident Tua, a guy who's not afraid to speak his mind on the sidelines to the coach on the field. Uh, he has taken a leap as far as that's concerned as well. Glenn Poole thinks Herbert has a better arm, and I'm not starting that conversation. That's one of those comments that we should put up on the screen. <laughs> because I agree with you, Glenn. Um, and we've seen it again last night. Yeah. Herbert being Herbert. Yep. Making mistakes in the fourth quarter, down, coming down the line, throwing picks. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I think that we, we can go into uh, – is it SoFi? SoFi Stadium in L.A. and, and bring home the W. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about Frank Smith and uh, Bevel? We spoke about that earlier, Matt. We don't want yeah. to see them. Go, we don't want to see them go. To long story short. No, I, I want to see Frank Smith stay. Look, uh, we talked about this before the season too. Once that we brought in Frank Smith, 
We talked about how important it was because not only is he going to be our offensive coordinator, but he's got a history with the offensive line and a history with coordinating the run game. And then you could bring in a guy like Matt Applebaum, who also, you know, he's our offensive line coach, so obviously that's his history. But you combine those guys together, and then you see the fruits of their labors over the last several weeks. Because our offensive line has jumped, even with a guy like Brandon Shell at right tackle and a guy like Brandon uh, or uh, Robert Jones coming in at left guard for Liam Eikenberg. So uh, I definitely don't want to see him go. Um, Do everything we can to keep Frank Smith. Yep, I would agree with that. I mean, they're getting the job done. Why would you change, you know? But obviously, if they get, you know, promoted to head coach, that's, you know, that's great for them. Well, not so much. For yeah, us. you can't really blame them at that no. point. Uh, no, no, no. And I think Bevel has had his shot right before. So Bevel I has been an interim so. coach, I believe so. Um, but you look what he's doing with Tua. I mean, yeah. there's no two ways about it. Uh, he is a part of the reason why he's taken this leap, regardless of you know the fact that we don't know how deep that goes. Um, oh, I see. But, his foot, footwork is a lot better. I mean, it doesn't mean he doesn't get in a bad habit once in a while, but his footwork is a lot better night and day since last year. Um, yeah, and I'll say this. I, I've said it before. Uh, the So we keep hearing about Tua not being able to throw the deep ball, and as a fan, watch this because this is what I see. It's the only time his footwork ain't right is when he goes to throw the deep ball. He steps yeah. away instead of into the throw, and you can clearly see it with his front foot. He steps out like this, and then, yep. then the ball goes this way. Where yep. if he just throws the ball where he steps, he's gonna he's gonna complete those passes. Um, so take a look. The next time you see him miss a deep ball, take a look at his footwork. Go back and see it. And that's the only time that I notice he doesn't have re- really good footwork. Well, yeah, I think sometimes that's due to the rush, though. He's 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 afraid to step up into the pocket. You know. Uh, Lack of trust. I think there's still an element of that. Yeah, uh, he's still overcoming the two years of brutality that he took behind the <laughs> yeah, terrible maybe so, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and the hip, right? Yeah. Like we have still, we've got to understand that there's still. I'm sure there's still some mental blocks that he has about the hip. Now you don't see it when he's running and not sliding, but uh, oh, when he's about there to somewhere, take a hit, sure, absolutely, it almost ended his career. So, but not all of the times that he's missed on these deep balls has he been under pressure. Some of the times he's just, no, that's true. his footwork is poor. Yep. Yep. I talked about that a lot last year, uh, but I really do see it being better. Um, and it's like I said, that's not to say you're not going to have a player two where you're off because certain things cause that. But uh, I think he's doing a great job. You know, I really do. Yeah. I mean, Steve said he hasn't been missing many lately. <laughs> well, they haven't been throwing a lot lately either. They kind of slowed down. They were, for a couple of games there, they were throwing them pretty often. Yeah. And cool. uh, Glenn says he's trying to get more torque on the throw. He just needs to release it earlier. Yes. I think there are some throws that's absolutely true that he just needs to release it earlier. Yeah. But um, it's, it's hard think- because you got to know what that safety's doing. Yep. Yeah. You throw it and, too early, you're going to end up causing yourself problems. So he's, he's got to see it first. <laughs> and I think if he steps into one of these long balls instead of tries to just put torque into it, he'll understand. I mean, you think he would already, uh, 
the natural torque of stepping into it and putting your putting your body behind it, uh, putting your legs behind it in the correct manner, he's going to get it there. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind about it's, it. It's your core that you know is, is most responsible for your throwing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and your hips. Yes, yes, your hips. That's one of the reasons it's why we core. didn't see him getting into anything his first year yeah. when. When Fitzpatrick kept coming in for him, he could not get the ball downfield because he couldn't get his hips into it. He was still he was still overcoming that injury. I don't think he was strong yeah. down there either, you know, because he no. had been he had been laid up for so long. So yeah, absolutely. You know that that muscle those muscles atrophy atrophy fast. It's like when you wear a cast, right? You take the cast off, and, and your your arm is smaller, your leg is smaller. Yep. It's the same thing, you know. When you get hurt, you're not working. You do lose weight. You know, you lose muscle. Nailed it. So, all right. I ain't got much else, Daniel. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I don't necessarily have anything. No. Is there anything in the chat? Anybody wants to ask any particular questions about the rest of the season upcoming? Uh, what we think the ceiling? Maybe. Maybe we talk about what do we think the ceiling is for this team, Mike? Let me ask you that. Um, there's talk on some media outlets that Miami is a Super Bowl contender. Now, are you bringing yourself to say that yet? Are no, you not yet? Not yet. Is it because you don't believe it, or because you don't want to break your own heart? No, neither one. That's of a those serious question. Guys. You know, there's ten teams right now that think they can win the Super Bowl this year. Okay, and you can put Miami in that group if you want to because they're they're certainly playing well, and and they you could make an argument they belong there, but. We have a lot of division games to go, and we have, you know, uh, four teams within a game of each other, you know, mm -hmm. so you, you can't even assume you're going to win the division right now. So it's silly to talk about Super Bowl when you, you, you're not even sure you can win the division because uh, there's a wild card getting there is tough. I agree with the fact that uh, getting there as a wild card is tough, uh, that we – win the division, then we can really start talking about it. And you got but, a home uh, playoff game and things get a whole lot easier. Matt Mariani in the chat says the ceiling is definitely the Super Bowl. They can hang with anyone in the league. And I tell you, Mike, as sure as I sit here in front of this camera, I agree with that. I agree with it for the first time in my adult life. I think that Miami is a legit Super Bowl contender. We just have to make sure that we continue on the path with a few different things. And I'm not even talking about the passing game. It's got, for me, it's got to be continuing the running game and it's got to be, be able to get home before on the defense. Yeah. Um, the trenches are going to be huge for us in the cold weather. Always. It's going to be the make or break for us as we go into Buffalo. And if we have to travel on the road in the playoffs, which is a distinct possibility, uh, those are going to be the things that make or break it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, like I said, there are weaknesses on this team right now. The secondary is a weakness, and uh, it was a strength yeah. coming into the season. Yeah, I, w I wish that secondary was a little bit stronger. That's all, uh, because when they play Buffalo, and and uh, you know, when they go on the road to play the Chargers and, and San Francisco, you know, you really need that secondary to perform. So hopefully, those guys will do that. But there's reasons to think they may not be able to. Yeah. Um, Steve says, we're, we're not afraid to talk Super Bowls here. A uh, little Tua quote. Mm -hmm. I love it. 
And uh, Kirk says, if we win the division, the Dolphins will finally get into my wallet for playoffs. And uh, I would love to see that happen. If I could dip into my wallet to get a playoff game, here we go. Uh, if they come to Kansas City, uh, as most of you know, I'm from Iowa, so I'm just north of Kansas City. Uh, Two-hour trip for me. Uh, watch out because uh, Daddy's going to be trying to figure out everything he can to get to Kansas City for that game. You know how uh, kids have a change jar and every time the parent swears, they make them throw money in the change jar? Sure, I've heard that story. We don't do that around here. Well, yeah, no, I understand that. But we're going to start doing it for every time you mention Iowa. Why? Because <laughs> you mentioned it five times a throw. Everybody knows where you're from. Not every. Hey, we got some new listeners today. Welcome wherever Facebook you're from. User doesn't count as a new listener. Wherever you're from listening tonight, rather you're in Iowa, North Carolina, or Arizona, thanks for tuning in to the Finn Fans Podcast. We love to have you. Yep. A lot of fun. Yeah, and I'd like to add, too, for any of you who are on right now live or listening in later, we do have a new Twitter page. Uh, we have been around for quite a while. We've, what, crossed 200 shows, Mike? Yeah, we're well, uh, closer to 300, and it's our fourth year. Yeah, so uh, we've just finally got a Twitter page. So it's at FinFansPodcast. Uh, please follow us, and we will be tweeting out all the shows as they come and uh, pertinent Dolphin news as well. So please retweet, follow us, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing this as a, as a you know, Thanksgiving thing. You know, we just want to wish everybody a happy holiday and, and get our faces out there, even mine. Yeah. I know I got a radio face. You don't have to tell me. But, uh, you know, we're, we're having fun and, and talking Dolphins, and the holidays are here, and that, that makes them awesome, you know. And when you, your football team still matters, and uh, we're turning almost into December, you know, that's what you hope for in August. So we've got it. Absolutely. And uh, we'll enjoy it. You know, it's it's going to be fun times. Win or lose, it's going to be fun times. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to be encouraged about McDaniel and about what he can bring to this team. Uh, he, he, he's such a positive guy, and that's that's got to rub off on the fellas, you know. Uh, I wonder if it doesn't get on their nerves. <laughs> doesn't look like it. No, doesn't. Doesn't. But, you know, who knows what they're thinking. But... Uh, all right, guys, uh, that's going to be about it for today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll be back all Wednesday to talk about the Houston Texans. Fins up! Fins up, Daniel. Bye, everybody. All right, that's today's show. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is proud to be part of DolphinsTalk.com podcast network and the Pigskin Podcast Network. Check out these sites, guys. There's lots of podcasts and information there that you'll enjoy. All right, until next time, be well and take care. Network.